Fame and popularity are tricky concepts, and nothing will reveal a person's biases more than an attempt to explain why something or someone is famous and popular. Which brings us nicely to the purpose of this episode. Today, we're looking at Shakespeare's best-known plays, the most famous, the most often produced, the most continuously beloved, and we're following in the critical tradition of such august thinkers as the overly opinionated boyfriend you may have had in college who loved to tell you all about why Wes Anderson movies are the only ones worth watching, the BuzzFeed Unsolved team branching out into ranking fast food establishments, or really anyone on Twitter yelling at you about pretty much anything. In short, we're ranking our top five Shakespeare plays on a completely unassailable scoring system to assess which play, in our humble opinion, should be the most popular. Characters, story or plot, quotability, accessibility, and relevance to today's audience. These are the five completely airtight criteria we've assembled to definitively rank which play should be seen and enjoyed by everyone. We will brook no dissension against our lists, which are perfect and not at all subjective and have hewed to the timelessness of the 10-point scale for each category and on each play. With the firmness of quantitative data in hand, we invite you to sit back and listen as we inform you which of Shakespeare's plays should be the most popular, most famous of all time. Since brevity is the soul of wit, more of your conversation would infect my brain. Romeo, wherefore art thou, Romeo? To speak of him as my kinsman, he's a most notable coward, an infinite and endless liar, an hourly promise breaker, the owner of no one good quality worthy your lordship's entertainment. And beat thee, but I should infect my hand. The lady doth protest too much, methinks. The course of true love never did run smooth. I'm Aiden. I'm Lindsay. And this is The Big Spot. And as Aiden very hilariously put forth in his opening essay, we will be discussing our, um, the Big Slisticle article. Mm-hmm. Um, our top five plays, completely unassailably. Yeah, they're, they're 100% accurate. Quantitative, everybody, everybody objective. Knows. These yes. are the ones. Yeah. Well, when you use a 10-point scale, you know. There's there's no questioning it, obviously. None so, whatsoever. Uh, we hope you guys all agree. Obviously, if you don't, you're wrong. But uh, <laughs> if you if you do, let us know. Um, and if you don't, I guess you can also let us know. Well, I think the, the, the fun thing for us this episode is that neither one of us has read each other's list yes, either. So it's no not idea. like we've collaborated on this in, no. in any way, shape, or form. So no. we're both objectively correct. Which will make it a very interesting bickering piece, I think. No? I, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I think that's one way of looking at it. I okay. think uh, we will we'll see how it goes. Let's yeah. just put it that way, because uh, I think you're definitely going to have some interesting choices. I think I wouldn't be surprised if we're actually closer well, than we would expect. And actually. and I think we we may have set it up this way too, because we are using. Um, a list from the website shakespeareances.com. They have quite a, a nice um, ranking system, I guess, of of plays by performance. So the number of times a play has been put on in a given period of time. And we used that as kind of the basis for from which to grab our top five. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to be picking from, you know, the plays that have only been performed five times in the last hundred years. Yes. These are, these are the, the top 
plays that everybody has seen performed or that are always put on. So, I mean, we're kind of skewing the data a little bit. A little bit. I mean, I think, yeah, there's definitely a case, like there were some in, that didn't make the top 15, not even the top 20, like Henry V. It's a very famous play. Yeah. Surprisingly not performed that often. That often. Well, maybe not that surprisingly. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. When when we went through, when I went through that, the the list of most produced plays, Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, okay, this makes sense. Except for Comedy of Errors, but even that, it's very, it would score high on the accessibility scale. Let's sure. put it that way. First. Oh, we should talk about our scale a little bit too. Sure. I mean, you, you mentioned it in the essay, but I think it's important to talk about. So uh, characters, I don't know how you approach this, but I, I approached <laughs> it as like a, kind of a combination of how many characters there are. Okay. Versus okay. Okay. Um, how engaging those characters are. Mm. Like I, I, you know, a, a big cast of characters might be more confusing than a yeah. smaller cast. Yep. Um, but if it's a big cast and they're well delineated, such as in uh, Twelfth Night, right? Then sure. it might be more engaging than a big cast of characters, like in I don't know. Yeah, Hamlet is right. kind of what comes to mind for me for a yeah, big cast with you know. lots of things going on. So, yeah, yeah, so yeah, that's that's sure. how, that's, that's how fair. I approached characters. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, I think maybe you'll disagree on this, but story and plot, it was kind of like how interesting is the plot, how yeah. dynamic and, and engaging is the plot itself yeah. versus uh, the elements that make up the, the rest of the place. So, yeah. Yeah, that, that one's pretty straightforward. Uh, quotability, quotability, I think, is uh, pretty, pretty straightforward. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, how uh, quotable uh, is yeah. the play. And how much of it, for me, it was how much of it has already, how many of those quotes have already entered yes. the public consciousness. Like, if you can if you can look at the title title of the play and recite a line off the top of your head, yeah. it's probably pretty it's quotable. It's pretty quotable, right? yeah. And if you yeah. can quote four or five lines from the play, yeah. then, you know, and if you're not like a Shakespeare scholar, yeah. Yeah. you know. Yeah, for sure. Um, accessibility, I looked at this as like, um, how easy would it be for somebody who hasn't, yeah. maybe hasn't experienced Shakespeare ever before, how easy is it for them to sink into the world of the play? Yeah. Um, so in terms of language, in yeah. terms of the complexity of the plot. So separate from how good the plot is, how complex and and or easy to understand is it yep yep no i agree and then relevance is kind of the loosey-goosey one of the of the five i yeah. would say it's it's really kind of our sense of how um yeah how relevant the play is to today's audiences and yeah. uh how timeless it, it can it can feel and mm-hmm. i think there's there may be some su- surprises in in that category maybe yeah why some are born great some achieve greatness and some have greatness thrown upon them Lindsay, why don't you get us started with your number five top Shakespeare play? With a bullet. Oh. A Midsummer Night's Dream. Oh, okay. Number five on the list. Okay. Um, it scored a, It scored a... Oh, I just said number five with a bullet. That's all. It's just a, it's just a phrase. That's a it's phrase? Say. I've never heard that phrase before. Did I just make up a phrase? No, you probably... I've just never heard of it. Go on. Okay. I, I ranked it uh, number five. It has a score of 27 out of 50, which was actually a lot lower than I That's thought it would be. That's very low. Wow. Yeah. You were stingy with your points. No, and I, I have a good reason for it. <laughs> okay. Because... And, and I'll get to that. Um... So for characters, I gave it a 5 out of 10. And the reason for that is there are a lot of characters and they are Mm. quite confusing. And um, same with the story or plot, I also gave that 5 out of 10. I had a a group of students this year. We watched A Midsummer Night's Dream um, on a Zoom call. uh, And it was done as like a puppet show. Mm -hmm. And it was wonderful for me. I know the play and I loved it. But I could see the students struggling to understand it. And I think that's a combination of the fact that there are... Uh, the two main lead female characters uh, are 
almost interchangeable in terms of Hermia, Helena. It's really easy to get yeah. them mixed up. Um, well, yeah, Lysander the, and Demetrius yeah. also yeah. really easy to get mixed up. You've got the four uh, or five um, uh, rude mechanicals that are also kind of, they are weirdly named, but they're really yeah, interchangeable. They're not, yeah, yeah. Um, unless you see a really fantastic production. You've got um, yeah. all the fairies, Peas Blossom and Mustard Seed and all that. You've got Titania. Yeah. You've got... There's just ew, there's a, lot a lot going on. And there's a lot of plot going on. You've got mm-hmm. the Rude Mechanicals plot. You've got the Lovers plot. You've got Oberon and Titania. You've got what's happening in Athens. I mean, yeah. there's a lot happening. So yep. it is hard to keep track of, yep. I think, if the production isn't good. Fair enough. In terms of quotability, I said Puck's final speech is really the only one that I can Ooh, think of. Okay. That's, um, yeah, okay. That's Which fair. I also gave it a 5 out of 10. Wow. Just, yeah, I know. Are, I was harsh. I know. You were harsh. You were like a French teacher. This is, <laughs> this is rough. Okay. Um, accessibility I gave it again a 6 out of 10 just because of it depends on the production I really do think it depends on the production and and then relevance I gave it a 6 out of 10 so 27 out of 50 is is my my score okay okay wow um okay wow okay you you disagree with I disagree with almost all I mean this okay does Merchant of Venice make your list you mean Midsummer Night's Dream I am Midsummer Night's Dream it does not make my list it was number six it was my close cutoff one okay well we don't have you don't have to go into detail on it no I won't but I I did give it 36 and a half out of 50 total Um, I was a bunch more I think you just graded a lot easier than me well a little bit and I gave accessibility like a 10 everybody who watches this play laughs at this play like by the last scene everybody gets what's going on unless you're a 7th grader who's never experienced Shakespeare in in, in a puppet show yes but if you know you're putting things on people's eyes and then they wake up and they fall in love with an ass it's hilarious you don't need any it's super easy I agree with you accessibility 10 I You're disagree wrong. with you. Oh, it depends on the production. I really do think you, it depends on the production. It it's to read it is one thing, and I'm not thinking strictly no, no, about no, no, reading no, no. it. I'm thinking this about is, like watching this is it. Like being watching fun. it for sure. You need to have a really solid production. If you have um, a, a common trope with this, is to have the same um, the same person playing. Uh, Oberon and Titania as are playing Theseus That's and Hippolyta. I've seen that done a lot, right? Okay. Where it's where they have the same. That can be confusing if you're because it is such a big cast. So I'm just I'm just throwing it out there that that having um, if you are very familiar with the play, of course it's going to be enjoyable and and it's going to score fifty out of fifty. It's a wonderful. I love this play. It's, it's not, the first it's play I ever read of Shakespeare. Well. Okay, maybe not, but <laughs> but I will say for for my money, it it lands at number I, five out of thirty nine. Yeah, so not it's bad, not I that guess. bad. That's why I'm wondering what you would score like the other thirty four plays. Like seriously, twenty five out of fifty. Well, less obviously. <laughs> no, okay. I, they, that's incredible. Shut up. Okay. What's your number five then, smart guy? Number five is the classic Romeo and Juliet. Wow. Yes. Okay. Th- this my rankings were very close, despite being being pretty. Loose I know. I didn't look at your numbers. I or I didn't look at your list, but I looked at your numbers, and I was because I'm like his close. lowest is thirty six. Oh yeah. my god. Yeah. So this it got a thirty seven point five. Oh, for me. Okay. Uh, well, of the ones that that mm. made the top five. Yeah. Uh, characters are given eight. Uh, okay. Mostly because you know Romeo and Juliet, they're they're pretty timeless characters, and Mercutio is pretty fun. Uh, the the friars kind of semi interesting. Like there's there's a few things there. It is a small cast. Yeah, it's pretty simple to understand. Yeah, Montague's Capulets, bang bang. Uh, so it's fine. That mm-hmm. that that part's easy enough. The story and plot, uh, I gave a seven. 
Uh, I feel like the the star-crossed lovers is a little hackneyed, a little a little a little threadbare in terms of a plot, um, and the whole death thing is just like. Just write each other a fucking note. Like, just like, oh, I saw you died and I'm going to write you. They tried that, Aiden. No, it was weak. It was weak sauce. Anyways, quotability, I give it an eight. Okay. Pretty solid. Very, very solid. Um, But I feel like there's, there's... There's nothing like top class. Like, yes, you have the you have Mercutio's dream speech, um, and you have Rafaratha Romeo and mm. the the sinner's lips things. Like, there's a few there. Maybe the death speech too. Eh, yeah, I feel like an eight's pretty solid. It's it's quite quotable, but it's not like it's not top tier. It's not okay. it's not what's coming up later on my list. Let's all right, all right. Um, in terms of accessibility, I gave it a seven. Um, just because there's, uh, you know, you can, you can follow along pretty easy, uh, cause the main plot is there, but there are a lot of like side conversations and things with the, with the, uh, druggist and the poison and things get kind of mentioned quickly. And then that changes the plot drastically. And mm. it, it's a little, it's a little, little convoluted compared to others in my mind. Okay. Um, and relevance I give it a seven, seven and a half, seven point five. Uh, yes, I use 0.5s, Obviously, uh, Starcross lovers will forever be relevant. I feel, but but hackneyed. But oh yeah, make up your super, mind. It's sir. both. Yeah, people like the hackneyed, but it's still hackneyed. Eh. What so, do you yeah. use for accessibility? Uh, seven. Okay. Seven. So all right. So I that's mean, my five. I feel pretty. Okay. Pretty comfortable. I th- I was expecting it to be my number one. I'm just gonna let you know. When I was first thought of this, I'm like, yeah. okay, Romeo and Juliet's gonna be my number one. Yeah. And here it is, number five. It made the top five, but it's not. Not top tier. Not top tier. Well, well it is top tier, but it's it not is, the top it's... of the top tier. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I mean, yeah, it's not you're wrong, but that's fine. As you um, What's your number four? Number four, Merchant of Venice. Oh, now, Merchant of Venice okay. did not make the top. 10 or even the top 15 of most produced plays in mm-hmm. the last period of time. I don't know how long this uh, Shakespearean yeah, has remember. been making that list. Um, it, I think it was 1918 or 19 on the list. So it's not performed a lot, but I do think that it has a lot more to give. And I, I did rank it at 33 out of 50. Ooh, so in terms of okay. characters, 7 out of 10. Okay. I think that even though there are some confusing parts with some of the names and Italian names, I think for me, maybe that's yeah. just me, it's <laughs> hard, you know, when you got Bassanios and Antonios and, and whatever Bracianos else. And yeah. yeah, yeah. They're all, they're all the same to me, yeah. but they are, <laughs> um, they are, no, it's not racist, it's namist. You're namist, yeah. Namist. Um, they are very interesting uh, characters, and I think obviously with um, Portia being one of my favorite characters, mm-hmm. Shylock being a very engaging character, um, Antonio has a lot of, there's a lot of interesting things that go on with Antonio's story. Mm-hmm. Seven out of ten for characters. Okay. Story, plot, also seven out of ten. I think that that is, there's, I think that as we talked about in our episode, um, a little bit of a... A mismatch, especially in modern productions, between the levity of the Portia marriage casket mm-hmm. storyline and the Shylock Antonio pound of flesh storyline. Yeah. Um, it does feel like they're two very different plays that kind of get mashed together. That's where I think it loses some points That's for fair. me. That's fair. Okay. Quotability, I also give it 7 out of 10. You've got Shylock's speech, mm-hmm. obviously. Mm-hmm. If you prick us, do, you, do we not bleed? Yep. The quality of mercy speech, the yep. casket poems, all that glisters is not gold. Yep. These are all things that have become um, very common 
phrases in the English language mm -hmm. most people would know. They might not know what play it's from, but they know it, right? Yeah. So Fair quotability. Enough. Accessibility, I gave it a 6 out of 10. I do think that it's um, because there's that plot disjointedness, it can kind of feel confusing to some people, especially if you're new to, you can't really uh, put your foot on solid ground when it comes to what the mood and tone is unless again you have a really skillful director yeah. who can um make that work mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which the film kind of does mm -hmm. by bringing i think it's not an enjoyable experience but it does bring the tone down <laughs> yes, to me matches yes right um yeah, yeah. And then the relevance, I think six out of ten again as well. Just um, really, yeah. I mean, I think that there maybe maybe I could I could go up a little bit on that, but um, the racism element in a modern production and adaptation that actually like takes that seriously yep. can make that more relevant. But as it's written, as it was performed, see that's why like when you yeah. when you talk about Romeo and Juliet being hackneyed, I'm like that was. That was a pretty fresh approach in the 1590s, but we're talking about you know <laughs> well today. Yeah, yeah, it's it's our interpretation yeah. of it now. Yeah. So so yeah, I said okay. relevance six out of ten. Okay. Yeah. Fair anyway. enough. Fair enough. Um, my number four, Hamlet. Oh, okay. Uh, and I feel it got a 38 and a half. Okay. Uh, just below my number three. Mm -hmm. um, characters, I gave it a nine out of ten. Okay. Just because I think it's such a good character study, especially for Hamlet himself, but also Ophelia. Yeah. Um, you also get a villain who gets some humanizing moments, which mm -hmm. is pretty rare. I mean, you get a little bit with Iago, not so much, but a few of the other villains, you get you get some good, um, why are they like this, or, or a little peek into their soul a little bit. You get the the praying scene with, uh, yeah. what's his name? Claudius. Yeah, and then you have uh, Laertes. His character is very easy to understand, and mm -hmm. it works well. Um, his dad. Just... Hamlet. No, no, dad? no, no, no. Laertes' dad. Oh, uh, Polonius. Polonius. Thank you. Jeez, names. Um, yeah, I think I think it's a solid cast overall. Interesting characters. Relatively, I mean, it is a big cast. There's yes. there's Fortinbras who just shows up at the end. There's, Correct. There's all these things, but I give it a nine out of ten for the characters. All uh, right, I'm, all right. I'm sticking to that. It's a little high. It could be. It could be. I think. I, for the story and plot, I gave it a six and a half. Okay. Because, I mean, just kill him already, Hamlet, for fuck's <laughs> sakes. Like, come on. This whole, the whole play is about him not doing anything. Right. Um, it's, so it's, it's difficult to watch. It's also it's a very, it's four a very hours thinking long. play. Yeah. 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 Um, quotability, it has to be a 10. Okay. It's the automatic score for to be or not to be alone. Uh, there's, there's nothing else that matches Hamlet in terms of quotability, in my mind. In okay. my mind, you you are disagreeing. I disagree. You are grinning at me, yeah. and you are going to bring up a counterpoint later on. That's fine. Um, in terms of accessibility, I give it a six, okay. which is one of my lower scores. Uh, I mean, it's four hours long at times. Uh, yep. It's extremely complex. Yep. Uh, there are a lot of different characters with um, using different kinds of language and things going on and yeah. happening off stage and stuff. It is a lot. Yep. Uh, it's definitely not the most accessible play. I might have even bumped this down a little bit further, but I feel like uh, again, a good production. Can salvage Hamlet for sure. Can um, salvage Hamlet. <laughs> well, I mean, it is. It's 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 like when you look at the unwatchable. Well, otherwise. It's, it can be. It can be three and a half hours, four hours, and they get it down to two two hours and fifteen minutes. Right. That takes work, and it, it it takes work to make it work. Okay. Uh, in that time frame. So, uh, and finally, relevance. Uh, I give it a seven. Kind of mediocre score yeah, okay. for this list. 
Um, I feel like teenage angst has a definite <laughs> long shelf life, um, as does med- meditating about death. But, right. Um, Very the, emo. Yeah, yeah. And there's there's always so everybody has that that anyway at times. I think ennui. Is that how you pronounce it? That's how you pronounce okay. it. Uh, but the fundamental problem of to be solved, you know, like my dad's wife or my yeah, mother yeah, yeah. is sleeping with my uncle and my father's ghost is telling me to kill him that's very particular yeah it's it, not not exactly the most relevant thing that anybody no, can draw on in terms no of yeah personal experience or yeah. anything like that so i give it a seven um yeah right in the middle okay in terms of these ones yeah so that's my number four well hamlet is my number three really yes Yay. i ended up giving it a 34 wow. out of 50 Okay. And we actually came pretty close in terms of uh, scoring oh, okay. as I was looking at it. Okay. Um, I gave it 7 out of 10 for characters. Yeah. Um, just because it is such a big cast. Um, but maybe I, I could be lenient and bump that up to an 8 just because, like, you, you made a good point. Like, it is a good character study. Ophelia is great. Um, Gertrude, Laertes, Polonius, they're all very defined, definite characters mm-hmm. that... Those are two words that mean the same thing. Um, they, they're they just, they're intriguing and interesting and fully formed on their own, which is a trademark of someone in the later stage of their career. So yeah. uh, maybe I can bump that up to an eight. Story or plot, seven out of 10. Okay. Because yep. I think it's, it's again, a little bit long, convoluted. Yeah. Uh, quotability, um, I gave it an eight out of 10 just because there's only the one quote that everybody can quote. It is a long quote and it is Alas, an important quote. poor York, I knew him right, well. Right, okay. But everybody uh, thinks to be or not to be and it like looms so large. Exactly. It looms so large because yeah. it's one of the best speeches. But people don't get it. They 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 misinterpret it. They they don't well, understand I did what it's. For the longest time, so. right. <laughs> I so I mean, people. I think that that just being able to quote Shakespeare is not the same as being able to understand it. And that well, I think does anybody understand it, Lindsay? Accessibility, I gave six out of ten. <laughs> same. And okay. uh, relevance, I also gave six out of ten, just because, like yeah. I said, it's kind of a niche market. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I, enough, I mean, so yeah, 34, maybe 35 out of, out of 50, if okay. I bump up characters to eight. Okay. I, I mostly agree with you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We disagree that, on good. the quotability, but. Yeah, because you're wrong. That's uh, my number three. What's your number three? My number three is your number four, oh, Merchant of Venice. All right. Yeah, so we, we swapped a dude there. Um, I gave characters a nine. I think the characters are the best part of it. I think Portia and Shylock alone okay. are two of my favorite characters of all time. So okay. again. All right. It's biased for sure, but I, I definitely feel like that that the characters there are so well developed, mm-hmm. so interesting that it, it makes the play worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Um, story and plot, I gave it a seven and a half. Um, it's relatively simple and straightforward, mm-hmm. I find, um, but it delivers on the dramatic tension right. of you know the pound of flesh and the marriage casket even and stuff like. Yeah. It's they're simple devices, but they work well enough. Okay, easy enough. Seven and a half. Uh, quotability. I gave it a seven and a half again. Okay. Um, I feel like maybe I, I undersold this one. A shy, a shy bit. Um, but I feel like the quality of Mercy and yeah, if you progress mm-hmm. are, are really, really solid stuff. Um, in terms of accessibility, I gave a seven. Okay. Um, reasonably accessible language and plot. Um, especially around the big speeches. Like every, everyone gets like, if you progress, do not bleed. Yeah. Like this, this is a, a key part of the entire play. Yeah. And the quality of mercy speech and all these the, the yeah. big moments are very easy to understand and follow along. Yeah. Um, some of the sub subplots 
not so much. Right. Uh, like uh, Jessica and her boyfriend. I forget that plot Lorenzo. exists. Lorenzo. Yeah. Like, I forget that exists for... Is it Lorenzo? Yeah. I think it's Lorenzo. I think it's Lorenzo. So, like, yeah, there's some parts less so. In terms of relevance, I gave it an eight. Okay. Uh, which I feel like you did a massive disservice because uh, my notes here says anti-Semitism never really seems to go out of style. So that one speech ensures a high level of relevance forever. Sure, sure, no, and I, I, that, and that, okay, okay. Let me let me defend what? my my choice to give that only a six a six out of ten. Yeah, a six out of ten. It's a six. Just because it's hard to know if that was the intention of the author. And we can't ever know the true intention yeah, of the author. Yeah, so but, let's take the best part of it. Fine, that's and fine. run with it. But, but the plot doesn't bear that out. He gets punished at the end, and we're not meant to feel sad about that. Unless you're watching a modern interpretation where they do make it feel sad. Relevance. So I, I'm just saying, yes, it can, be, it can be made more relevant. But the, the play as it was written... It relies heavily on a 16th century, 17th century understanding of race relations. Okay. okay. That's all I'm saying. Fair enough. Fair enough. I don't think it's wrong to say that it's relevant, though. Okay. I can see where you're coming from. Thank you. All the world's a stage. And all the men and women merely players. My number two? Your number two. Macbeth. <gasps> 37 out of 50. Okay. Uh, 8 out of 10 for characters. I think that uh, this play features some of the um, strongest character writing, character studies, Lady Macbeth, Mm -hmm. um, Macbeth himself, Mm -hmm. um, just purely for those two characters alone, as we talked about in our... um, Our Macbeth episode. Our Macbeth episode. um, They're just a very strong couple, and they're probably one of the best written couples. So totally, 100%, I'm on board with that. Yep. Uh, story or plot, I said, I, I maybe I was a bit hard on this, 7 out of 10 for story and plot, mm-hmm. um, just because I, I have, I have some qualms with the way that Shakespeare likes to rewrite history. The actual history of the King Macbeth is much more, uh, like, it would have been nice, to, but, but you can't tell that story and no. make it interesting. He's got to be, you know, there's got to be conflict, and yeah. the guy, a guy who rules peacefully for two, three years, or however long it was. Like 11 or something, yeah. Yeah, it's not as fun, yeah. yeah. Either way. Yep. Uh, quotability, 8 out of 10. I think that it's got enough uh, quotable lines. The witches, mm-hmm. it's become, you know, a constant Halloween trope. Double, double, toil and trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, same with, uh, is this a dagger I see before me? Mm-hmm. Or... Out, um, out, damn spot. Out, out, damn spot. Yep. Uh, unsex me here. Like, there's a lot of, a lot of the, the Burnham Woods. Like, all of that, all of those quotes that, um, yeah. that come to mind are pretty well established and ingrained in the literary imagination. Yep. Accessibility, I gave it an 8 out of 10. Um, no real reason for that. <laughs> I can't really think of why I didn't give it a higher one. I think the vengeance, the idea that, that you have vengeance and revenge um, on the part of uh, Malcolm and the the, oh, and, yeah, the and crew that comes yeah, 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 that yeah. come back to retake the crown. And then you've got this ambition from Macbeth. I think those are... Uh, uh, it, it kind of goes hand in hand, the accessibility and relevance in terms of... like It's something that everybody can kind of tap into a little bit. Okay. You can kind of understand yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but the language is plain enough; like it's easy enough to understand. Mm-hmm. These are 
painted pretty broad stroked. And then relevance, uh, I, relevance only gave it a six out of 10 because, mm. um, mm. again, I, I'm not mm. sure everybody has an understanding or a, a deep, um, connection to overthrowing their king that's all <laughs> I, it's just it's just something that you know okay 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 that, yeah. I, I i don't mind it um and i'll tell you why because in second on my list Macbeth. oh wow yeah with 39 points uh by the way i had a tie between second and third okay uh, i dropped uh what's it called merchant of venice just because Macbeth has that extra cachet. Okay. And it's the right. Scottish play. It has its own title, so I just bumped it. I gave well, it they all have their own titles. Yeah, but it's got a secondary title. In any case, I, almost all my points were the exact same as you. I had characters at seven, okay. story and plot at seven and a half. Mm-hmm. Quotability, I gave a nine. Okay. Because there were so many. Yeah. Um, and accessibility, I gave an eight. Yep. Um, because I, and I for that one, I said it's the shortest strategy. It's true. Yeah, that, that's, that's that definitely true helps. Too. Yes. Um, you can see Macbeth going mad. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not like Hamlet, where it kind of like. It's a little more gradual. It's like, Same I don't with know. Lady Macbeth, you can see her. Kind yeah, of, yeah, yeah, exactly. It just kind of works a little bit ever, better. And uh, dude gets head cut off at the end of the play, which is just awesome for most of us. <laughs> um, and then relevance, I actually, I give it a seven and a half on that one. Oh, okay. Uh, because I took up minor points because ambition is primarily seen as a good thing in today's mm. world. So I don't think we get, like ambition was an entirely negative commentation until you know, thanks capitalism. Uh, before that, it yeah. was ambition was a negative thing because right. you were trying to rise above your station. Yeah. And and do and it took bad things. It That's took a good point. Offing somebody, right? Um, so I feel like we. I mean, I, I think in some cases it's nice to check ambition, but also ambition's a good thing at times. It encourages people to do good things and stuff. So it's 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 a very uh, Elizabethan. It's confusing then to watch a play where somebody's ambition gets slapped down. Like, no, you cannot rise above your station. Well, if you do, you just go mad. And but that but that affects yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the accessibility. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 fair. Yeah, okay, I'd say so. all right, all right. Yeah, it's very. So we very, agree on that one. Very solid. Yeah. What was your final score for Macbeth? Thirty nine. Oh, I gave it 37. Yeah, we're okay. close. We're, we're close enough. Not on this one, because my number one play is Romeo and Juliet. Oh! Far and away with 44 out of 50 points. Holy guacamole. Yes. Okay. And I will tell you why. Please You do. are wrong to put it at number five. Please try. Um, I did give characters a 7 out of 10. That was the lowest score out of the, okay. out of the crew. Okay. Um, just because I think that um, there are a lot of characters... And I think having a lot of named characters for mm-hmm. the Capulets and Montagues can get a little bit confusing. Sure. Um, and there's also uh, some question. I, I'm not. I'm not sure that Juliet and or Romeo are painted very clearly. They're more. They're they're, tro- they're yeah. They're tropes. They're they're teenagers. They're teenagers. In yeah. Life. Yeah. So so they're not the most well-drawn characters mm. they're not like benedict and beatrice which didn't make your top list my top list yeah. no but yeah. you know they're they're much more well-rounded characters romeo and juliet are there to serve a plot function yep as far yep. as i'm concerned yep. um but story and plot i gave it eight out of ten because it is a fairly easy plot to follow um there is really only the one through thread there's not mm-hmm. really a lot of subplots that drag you away for too long no. um so it's easy for to follow in that regard and mm-hmm. it's it's kind of a i don't want to say it's a universal story but i think this kind of ties in with accessibility and relevance as well uh, that whole idea of star-crossed lovers and everybody's mm-hmm. had a first love a young love we don't always you know 
kill for them. I hope not anyway, but it's um it's but something it's that something you feel. You feel, you yeah. Wanna, everybody yeah, everybody yeah. has felt that first that first love so you can see when it goes so badly here, you know, that helps you to tap into that a little bit more, I think. Mm-hmm. Um quotability, I gave it 10 out of 10 because everybody can quote Romeo and Juliet. Everybody can quote uh, there, there are so many lines you can quote from from I, 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 every time you start quoting Romeo and Juliet, I'm like, which play is that? Oh, are you kidding me? No, you've you've listened to me say this many times, where I'm like, what what play are you talking about? It's like, that's the scene from Blood, and I'm like, oh, okay. I don't wow. Know. Just, when I go, I go Romeo, Romeo, wherefore? And you're like, what play is that? I don't know, Romeo. Don't make fun of me just because I'm stupid. Is that time in the Athens? <laughs> <laughs> hey you never accessibility, know accessibility <laughs> I gave it 10 out of 10 because it's a fairly what? easy play to understand you can teach it to high schoolers I taught it to ninth no, graders no. it's easy to understand even like I said the 7th graders who watched Midsummer Night's Dream they all understood Romeo and Juliet and they all come to me and they're like that's a dumb play because why did they kill each other okay. why didn't they just figure it out it's also exactly you're proving my point here because what? that's I knocked points off accessibility for because everybody's exposed to Romeo and Juliet as their first play and nobody likes Shakespeare after that no that's the problem is no, no, no. it's not it's the not most the accessible play. Play. it's it not is. the play it's it the is way the play, play is taught it. and we'll get into that when we talk about teaching Shakespeare which will be an upcoming episode I'm sure it's on the list somewhere don't worry okay. we'll okay. get there sure but it's accessible in this in the sense that it's easy to understand it's it's a it's, relatively early play so it's not overly convoluted there's not a ton of subplots it's accessible it is accessible if a seventh grader can understand yes, it even if they don't a like seventh it grader can understand bos lerman's romeo and juliet very good that's not what i said i know but that's the one that everyone shows because it is very accessible yeah but not in grade seven i don't know how my grade seven students know about <laughs> romeo and juliet i mean it is it is a trope i think point. it's just it's just part of the milieu that we live in yeah yeah fine. okay relevance? and finally relevance nine out of ten just because previously made points like young love all right, all right. puppy love that's, okay that's fine I'm just saying. Objectively, we're both right. I don't know how that works, but it is. <laughs> well, let's say, let's fact. split Romeo and Juliet down the middle and say it's third. Um, what's what's <laughs> well, your? Mine was fifth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. What's your number one? My number one. Much do about nothing. I knew you it. You knew it because it's your favorite play. It's one of my favorite plays. And you but... love Emma Thompson. Okay, yes, but it's not Emma Thompson. It is the characters. Let's start yeah, there. Yeah, but you think of Emma Thompson of every time. Of course I do. How could you not? But anyways, the point <laughs> is, characters gets a nine. Because everyone's pretty solid, except for Don Juan, uh, as I am a villain. Like I mean, See, you're doing Keanu right now. <laughs> of course I'm doing Keanu. Jesus. Because he does it so well. <laughs> Who else can say the line like that? Anyways, all the other characters are great. They, they fit everything's easy everybody's easy to understand their their motivations are very clear uh, i give it a nine on characters just okay. just super solid across the board um and obviously beatrice and benedict are maybe shakespeare's best couple i i'd say better than than uh macbeth and lady macbeth what? personally personally i think they are a more engaging couple to watch and interact with macbeth and lady macbeth have no setup, and then all of a sudden they're killing people. I'm saying Benedict and Beatrice, it's all set up, and then amazing payoff. Macbeth and Lady Macbeth, it's payoff from the start, and then you try it's, and backfill it, the story. If you had these two up against each other in any kind of doubles competition, 
Lady well, Macbeth and Macbeth would kill. Literally, they would kill them. Yes, yes, that's, yes. that doesn't make I them more interesting that, characters. <laughs> I think that I think that they. Okay, 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 okay. okay. Uh, story and plot. I only gave it a seven. It's it's another solid yeah. outing, but pretty shallow. Like there's there's not a whole lot of. That's a comedy detail. Yeah, it's a comedy. It's 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 lighthearted and fun. And I, I kind of ranked all my comedies around that seven level. So nothing new there. Um, quotability. I gave it only a six. It's yeah. very low on this regard because... I can't think of a quote. Well, th- yeah, nothing really immediately comes to mind. But at the same time, you know the dialogue is super yes. sharp between, especially between Benedict and Beatrice. I mean, that's yeah. that's the heart of the play and it works so well. And then you have I Am a Villain, which is great. Um, accessibility, I gave a nine. I think this is a really, really solid play all around for that. Okay. Um, Cause, Not convinced. Because you're coming for... I mean, what makes play work, again, is the relationship between Beatrice and Benedict and the, the Cupid matchmaking that's going on and all of this stuff. And the B-plot is very, very understandable. Um, you know, all these... Those those two elements work really, really well together. Um, and when you're watching the chemistry, especially if, they, if it's a good production, the chemistry between all those leads just flows. It just works perfectly. Um, plus... Again, Keanu literally says, I am a villain. So you know who the bad guy is. It's not hard to track this play, um, and it's really enjoyable to, to do so. Um, relevance, I gave it an eight, eight and a half, um, because hmm. the best couple in Shakespeare uh, is going to have some staying power, no matter what. And frankly, it's what we base our entire relationship on. So I oh, feel like I've been going Lady Macbeth, Macbeth. Oh. I think we should probably reevaluate we should, we should, things. We should switch it up now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a bad idea. Okay. <laughs> Why then the world's mine oyster, which I with sword will open. Uh, one honorable mention for me, Lindsay, uh, I did have, I think I mentioned already, Midsummer Night's yeah. Dream was my closest. I had a 36.5, which is, I think, just 0.5 below. No, a whole point below Romeo and Juliet for me. Um, yeah, and I mir- mirrored a lot of your comments already, so that was my closest. My, a, my honorable mention was Richard III, which oh, yeah. would have come in between Midsummer and Merchant of Venice, so between 4th and 5th. Fair enough. Um, with a, a 32 out of 50. And I, I gave it high points for story and plot because I think that, that of the history plays, it definitely has the most straightforward yeah. plot in terms of... Yeah, like, Richard's this a is, bad dude and he's killing everybody, yep. Um, not great quotability, 7 out of 10. My, My kingdom, kingdom for, for a horse, horse. Yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the, the opening soliloquy. Yes, right? yes, yeah. That's about it. That's uh, fine. Low points for relevance and characters. I think char- the only really lasting yeah. character you think of is, is Richard. Richard yeah. um, but in terms of, you, you know, you kind of have to weigh it a little bit heavier on that. And because it is a history play and most of the history plays are kind of... Character light. Well, say. or there's a lot of them and they all, they're like the Duke of this, the Earl yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah, and yeah. who cares? Yeah, who cares? So... If you have one character that stands out, it's an automatic five, as far as I'm concerned. Okay. And only a five out of ten for relevance. Yeah, okay. That's fine. So. Okay, no, that's that's good. I, I, I considered, uh, the, the other ones that I did consider was Twelfth Night, mm. um, but when comparing it to Midsummer. Uh, or yeah. Much Ado, it was, I immediately kind of... Twelfth Night off. feels like a, like a highbrow version of, of some of those like yeah. more base comedies. Yeah, it's like Comedy of Errors... Uh, but better. 
Yeah. And I didn't care for either of them as, as And I mean, much. there are other plays that I've read since we've been doing the podcast, and, and I'm like, ah, oh, that's a really good play. It should be more popular, mm-hmm. but it's never going to be. Yeah, like Henry right? the Fourth Part One. Yeah. Is, uh, it's a classic, but, but it's, it's never going to be gonna be uh, the festival circuit. No. You know, or, uh, I mean, I really like Merry Wives of Windsor. Yeah. I thought that was really great. Yeah. I think Time of Athens has a lot of relevance, as we talked about in our episode. Um, I find it interesting that neither one of us mentioned Othello or Lear. I I, I um, considered Lear, but as soon as I put it up against, like, the Hamlets and the Macbeths in terms of, like... Um, accessibility yes. and relevance yes. and everything it, it just struggled a little bit I think it's yeah. a fellow in particular I was like it, it could score high on some but in others uh, and the characters are just kind of weak between Desdemona just kind of existing and well yeah and it's Niagara a darker really. play too so it's yeah. harder to really get behind it as like an enjoyable yeah. theater going experience yeah. unlike not that Romeo and Juliet is like you know super frothy but you know or hamlet for fuck's sake yeah. everybody dies in that play yeah. but it's uh yeah i think lear again kind of dark loses points for uh accessibility accessibility for sure. and um maybe gains points for characters because at times but other ones are less interesting yeah I, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. anytime you have two characters whose names begin with the same two letters Edmund <laughs> Edgar, Edgar yeah Hermia, and, and we Helena. completely uh, confuse them all the time yeah it's not a good sign so yeah, yeah. you just yeah, you lose you lose points there if I longer stay we shall begin our ancient bickerings this episode's ancient bickering. Uh, we're we're taking pot shots at each other's choices, just roasting each other. Yeah, because I mean, Lindsay, first of all, you totally countermanded uh, my instructions at the start of the episode about how we were sticking to numerical values. You literally just said Richard the Third scored a thirty-two out of fifty, and yet it scored below Midsummer Night's Dream, which came in at twenty-seven out of fifty. Yeah, please explain. Yeah, I just wanted to show how ridiculous your uh, ranking system was. By not using it? Yeah. But then you use it for the rest? Well, you know, pick and choose uh, what works for me. So you just admit... Do you, do you have okay. a problem, do you have a yeah. problem oh, with that? I have so many problems with you just flagrantly disregarding the rules. Um, so I obviously Midsummer should not have been fifth. Okay. Uh, and Richard III should have been because uh, it scored higher across the board. So um, you don't even know what you're doing when you talk. <laughs> and I feel like you should keep that in mind for the rest of our podcast. I've Into said perpetuity. that. I've, I've said that for many, many weeks, <laughs> yeah. and I have no idea what I'm talking about. Why am I even allowed to sit here? It's it's a fair point. We do uh, we do mention that frequently in this yeah. podcast. Do you, yeah. do you have anything of substance though to criticize about my choices, either Richard the Third or Midsummer? Uh, I feel like you really undercut a lot of like the story and the plot and the accessibility of Midsummer is is off the chart. It's I mean it's it's a super silly fun ridiculous comedy plot they go out into the woods and then they start banging the wrong people it's it's like what's there to misunderstand about that and then you got the the trickster figure just growing around doing things and then you got the it's really just bottom uh amongst the rude mechanicals you have bottom he's the star of the show literally (laughs) and then when he shows up and he's the star of the comedy show at the end it just works i don't know how you could possibly give it a six for accessibility and a five for plot. A five. I mean, it's a totally objective scoring system. 
I, I... Okay, well, obviously you don't care for the scoring system because you didn't fucking use it. So anyways... <laughs> Go on, please uh, feel free to criticize me and I will well, defend myself much better than... Yeah, well, I, I, I have no defense. <laughs> this, is, this is what I'm learning. I have no defense for that. Um, I was going to criticize your much ado about nothing, but I I don't really disagree. <laughs> I just I just didn't include it because I think mm. that it's not as good as the other ones, but I like it, so I'm not going to criticize that one. But I am going to question how your your choice to put Romeo and Juliet at number five yeah well I mean Lindsay on the list. Lindsay mine were close okay the difference Romeo and Juliet 37 and a half number one much do 39 and a half they I know, two but we, points but we were really apart. far apart my two Romeo points. and Juliet got 44 out of 50 and yours got 37 and a half that's all I'm saying I think that you uh, okay, but where 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 are you picking up points? Because like characters, I gave it an eight. Like what what that that's generous on me. The story the story the story is so simple. That's what makes it good. No, that's not what makes it good. See, and this is why your novels are so difficult to read because you have to have <laughs> an A plot, a B plot, a B squared plot, a, a Z plot that comes before the C plot. You're just all over the place. It's very hard. I did that to with follow. one book, and you're go fucker for life. <laughs> a what? You fuck one goat and you're a goat fucker. For life. <laughs> never... I write one complicated book and you think oh, that's all I ever It's do. not the only complicated book you've written for the record, yes. but that's fine. Uh, okay. that's, I have two on the shelf right here that you didn't okay. want me to re- unpack from our recent okay. move. Okay, you fuck two goats. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, okay, getting back to Rolling I don't feel like... I feel like the seven is pretty generous on the plot. I, I I mean I only gave it an eight, but I think that, that that's not that's not the only thing that you that you fucked up on. Um, I, I think that you you undersell the story and the accessibility. Mm, you know, maybe, I I think I think maybe. any play that you can break down and teach to students, and I admit I'm coming at this from a pedagogical perspective, yeah. and I think that any to any play that you can break down into easily accessible bite-sized chunks to distribute to impressionable fourteen-year-old minds is a pretty fucking accessible play. We're swearing a lot in this episode. Well, because you're really raising my blood pressure. Well, and you are raising mine as always. So (laughs) let's just... living in the same room. Basically. And like I said, we did just move again. (laughs) So I'm ready to murder you anyway. I'm going to go Lady Macbeth on your ass now for sure. But anyway, I just think I just think that you... Stay awake at night with that one. (laughs) I just think it's... you, you, You just... You don't give it enough credit. I think. I, I, I think. I, I like. I said. I thought it was gonna be number one when I started my list, and then I started dishing out scores. And, it, and there then was. you remembered Emma Thompson, and you were like, "Well, I can't not put her in number one." I also enjoy Claire Danes, Lindsay. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, as a whole, much too is much better. And I disagree. Romeo and Juliet is better. Actually, no. I think Much Do is better than Romeo and Juliet. But. <laughs> Victory is mine! Great day in the morning, people. Mm, Victory is mine. mine. Bring me all the finest muffins and bagels in the world. <laughs> what are we going to do, our West Wing podcast? I don't know. We'll uh, it's been done, though. Yeah, so, yeah. anyway, what's next on our list, Aiden? Would you like me to answer that question? Please do. It's Anthony and Cleopatra. Oh, Anthony yes. and Cleopatra. Anthony Anthony. and Cleopatra. Hey, if you, can, if you can call him Benedict the entire time, I can yeah. call him Anthony. 
Fair enough. Fair enough. Anyway, Benedicto. Benedict. Yeah. No, that'll be fun. Yeah. Uh, Antony and Cleopatra, I don't remember reading. We did read it in university. I remember that. I didn't read it. You probably did not read it in university. How did I pass that course? I don't know, but you got the same mark as me, and I will never, never, never forget that because I read all the damn plays. And I didn't. You didn't. I don't. I. I don't know what I did. You're just really good at writing, so that that really. I'm really good at bullshitting. I have a degree in bullshitting. Bullshit. Yep. English and philosophy. English and philosophy. What more do you need? Yep. Um. And after that. I, I don't remember either. I think it might be teaching Shakespeare. I believe that is on the docket. So yeah. I think that's, if it's not next, it'll be shortly after that. So we will look at, uh, well, we might get some more teachers on the on the podcast. I mean, you have all your experience and I'm definitely interested to see how you Yeah, but I it. talk too much. I want to I hear from other people. I've talked a lot about my experience teaching Shakespeare. I would like to uh, pull in other high school teachers, maybe even a couple of university professors. Mm-hmm. If we can... Uh, Sweet. You know, um, but yeah, I think that there are a lot of really cool tips and tricks that uh, that teachers have from making Shakespeare accessible. So maybe we'll round up a nice little panel of enthusiastic teachers yeah. at the end of September before we're all burnt out. And yeah, yeah, you know, before too late. Yeah, good idea. Yeah. All right. Well, hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, let us know what your top five are in terms of popularity. Or even just your top one. Yeah. Like, just, tell just us the, what you the think. most popular yeah. one. Yeah. Um, because and give your reasoning, because, uh, yeah. Or tell us why we're wrong or right or who you agree with. Mm-hmm. But make it be me. Because you like me, listeners, don't you? You like me, right? Aiden, Aiden's slowly backing away from the mic now. Sleep with one eye open, sir. You can find all our episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast fix. If you want to tell us what you think of Shakespeare, his plays, poems, or any of the topics we discuss, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us on Twitter, that's at TheBixPod, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TheBixPod, or by email at TheBixPod at gmail.com. That's our cue to exit.